Welcome to the Jams Emissions Podcast. My name is Anthony, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Dan Palmieri and Rocco Tarabarelli. Thank you for clicking on this podcast. I mean, you made a conscious decision to listen to this. So, like, that's awesome. You could have listened to anything, and you chose us. So, hopefully we don't disappoint. Um, you can check us out on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Just type JMJ Missions. We have a website as well, www.jmjmissions.com. If you want to support us financially, go for it. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Um, it would really help us out so we can do this full-time one day. That'd be really cool. Um, so, today we're going to talk to you about what it means to be pro-life as a Catholic. October is pro-life month, and we're going to dive into some of the arguments that we have as Catholics and some other things, and you'll just have to wait to find out what they are. We don't do the pause anymore. We don't pause for music anymore? No, we don't pause for music anymore. I forgot. It was getting old. So what is it? It just goes right (laughs) into the small talk? Yeah, just like the music just fades out just gradually, which the view, the hearer, hearer, <clears throat> the here has probably already heard it. Gotcha. And uh, now we're just going to go okay. into small talk. All so. right. Well, fine. <laughs> small talk time. So, Ant, uh, what is our small talk for the day? Well, as you guys know, Halloween is coming up in exactly 20 days. Today is October 11th. And I just want to know what you guys think about Halloween. Some people are obsessed with it. Like, my sister is literally obsessed with it. Like, she starts decorating for Halloween, not <laughs> even kidding, probably on April 30th. So she's like just goes really really hardcore with Halloween. So I don't like it, but Rock, <laughs> what do you, what do you think about Halloween? I don't like it at all. It's my least favorite holiday. It's just dark and depressing and like purple <laughs> and orange everywhere, and I, I I just I don't see the point of it. You don't like at those all. colors? No. <laughs> um, no. And it's always like cloudy on Halloween. It is it's just like <laughs> every Halloween in history it's is cloudy. Do you watch scary movies? No. <laughs> Have you no, ever I've, watched a scary movie? Yeah, I'm just I'm just not a fan. It, there's just nothing joyous about the occasion. <laughs> Damn, like, I'm think? always looking for hope and encouragement in my life, and that doesn't give me hope and encouragement. <laughs> Dan, what do you think? Uh, I don't I don't really know. It's definitely not my favorite holiday. Um, some very hardcore Catholics are totally against Halloween, hardcore Christians. Um I consider myself to be a hardcore Christian. I mean, how could you not want to give it all for God? Do I think Halloween is like of the devil? Um, not in America in 2021, if you're doing it the right way. I know like people like know it, you know, it started from Celtic origins and like pagan origins, and which is, you know, can be dangerous if you get into actual paganism. But from, in my opinion, and you got to have balance. If you're just going around trick or treating, asking for candy, I don't see too much of a problem in that. As long as it's not, you know, doing anything spiritual from it. Um, but in general, it's just not my favorite holiday anyway. Um, I I don't I haven't gone trick or treating since I was like twelve. Although this year with the little baby, maybe it'll be a little different. Not that he'll have any idea what's going on. He's only three and a half months <laughs> old. But my wife will have a ball finding a <laughs> costume for him, and she will definitely be taking him trick or treating. So I will definitely be going. So maybe that'll make it more interesting mm-hmm. for me. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. How what, did you? How do you feel about it? I previewed it? that I don't like it. And I I mean, I don't hate it. I don't despise it. I think what I like about it is just the fact that it's fall. I like all the leaves and mm-hmm. the, the chilly weather and the hoodies. Yeah. That's what I like about Halloween. I don't like scary movies because I think about them way too much. Um, I used to watch Stranger Things. And you know the Demogorgon? Yeah. yeah. It's like a really scary looking thing. So I would watch that show and then you know look at the Demogorgon. And then I would go and make my cup of coffee at like 530 in the morning. 
and I would be wondering if the Demogorgon was going to come out of the wall. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I got to stop watching this show. So, like, being scared is not one of my favorite emotions. And actually, um, as a Catholic, we're not supposed to be scared. Right. Like, fear is not good. Unless there's a tiger in front of you, fear would be good in that situation because it would save your life. You know, like, run away from the tiger. And I wouldn't but even consider that fear. I would cons- I would just say that instinct. it's like survival instinct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But fear, and if it, especially if it holds you back from what you're supposed to do, fear is never good. Um, so yeah, uh, Halloween and I are not the best friends. Didn't you actually, when you were a kid for Halloween, like, didn't you do like a prank on people? Oh, I used to, um, I would dress up like a werewolf and I looked like, um, like a, a dummy or a, what is that the word? I guess like yeah. a, a stuffed. Yeah. Like, like a stuffed person, like not right. a real person. Right. So I would hide like my hands and my feet and I would look, it looked like there was a giant dummy <laughs> in a chair with a bowl of candy that said take one please so as, put as on a, your goalie mask yeah too. so like you couldn't see my yeah, face the jason looking goalie mask and so the, as if nobody was there right right so then people would come walking up thinking like oh great here's an empty like no house like nobody's at the house and there's a bowl <laughs> of candy they're ready to put it all the whole thing in their bag and then when they go to reach for it i would grab them i would just like grab their hand and they would scream and, <laughs> and roll away and fall it was a lot of fun nice yeah. mm-hmm. probably couldn't get away with that today no we probably couldn't people, probably are, so, people are so yeah. sensitive yeah, exactly. get yeah. Yeah. or sued or something yeah exactly <laughs> i'm just realizing now if you're listening to this podcast at a random time of year it'd probably be really random to hear about halloween stuff but whatever it's october 11th today it is yeah for somebody, us if somebody finds this in like may it's gonna be odd well it will be october 11th eventually for them right that's yeah. not really much of an incentive to enjoy this part of the conversation yeah but it's yeah just move on all right, fine. Sounds good. Okay, so what does it mean to be pro-life? First of all, let's define life. Do you guys know what life the definition is? I'm going to go teacher mode. I do this too much. Um, I Wow, that's such a general question. The church I, has a definition for it, or John Paul II has a definition for it. I would like to it. know this definition. Okay. John Paul II said, uh, life begins at conception and ends at natural death. And anything that violates any part of that definition is an offense to God. Now, he's talking about just human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And that he's not really animals or plants. No, hum- yeah, human Human life. beings, so human yeah. life. Okay, Conception gotcha. to natural death. <clears throat> gotcha. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah, knew but that. What it, but what I is life, it. though? Because that's just the time span of a life. Like, mm-hmm. what is the church's definition on what is life? Oh, like Ooh. what it actually is? Ooh, yeah. Man, I don't know. I'm that's not a sure. Really, yeah, I have mm-hmm. something to look up. Yeah, definitely something to look up. Do you want to look it up? Should we wait? um no just go okay <laughs> maybe we'll look it up eventually but. so this issue is a very very heated debate in our country especially amongst our generation i think roe v wade happened in the 70s where abortion was made legal and since then millions millions of babies have been aborted and something that i noticed is that if you don't support abortion in today's culture you're kind of looked upon like you're a crazy person mm-hmm. that you're that you don't you're an outcast yeah, you're an outcast that you don't respect women or anything like that right so i don't know if you guys had anything to say about the way our culture looks at it um well the reason our culture i think um is so quick to tell you that you're a bad person somehow if you're trying to defend life is because um i think it's a uh, result of the fact that our culture is completely self-centered Unfortunately, you know, American culture is great. I think I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but American culture is amazing in a sense that our Declaration of Independence was, like, founded on the idea that all human beings are made by God, and therefore we're special, so, like, every human being has the right to, like, find happiness on their own and not have anyone tell them what to do or something like that. However, our modern culture has taken that that 
idea of, of individualism, which started well and has taken it so far that now it's it's become not that every person is special because God made them and they can find what God wants for them to do in life. It's now I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm all about myself. I'm going to find my career, my meaning of life, my purpose, my money, my job, my reputation, my Instagram account, my everything. It's all about us. And if you try to get in the way or try to at least even submit to me for a second that I am wrong, you're a bigot and you're mean. Only a what culture do you think that was, is the catalyst to, to, to all that or where the tide of I think it's, society started started going that way? I think it's two things. I think it's um, a combination of materialism. I think, I think material success, the United States and the West in particular, has had so much wealth, especially the last 80 or 90 years and the last 40, 50 years, that it's caused us to really become a little self-centered, even subconsciously. Uh, all the stuff we just want our stuff we we want our comforts we're obsessed with comfort i think you combine that with like in the 60s how everything changed how there was a big cultural revolution and we kind of ditched god now if you have a society that is ditching god and ditching morals and ditching like the idea that like you know god exists and every soul is very precious to him even at conception you ditch that and you surround all these people who are ditching that with just tons of stuff and tons of like wealth and tons of comforts that they're addicted to then if you get in the way of their comfort, they're going to come at you real hard. And I think that's what's happening now is that um, nobody wants to actually be honest and say, I want to be comfortable. And if you get in the way of that, you're mean. So what they're going to do is they're going to put it on you. If you get in the way of my comfort in life and you try to tell me I'm doing something wrong, then you're mean. You're not tolerant. You hate me. Of course you don't hate the person. You actually love the person, right? Because you're trying to help them understand that, you know, with God, there's always hope. You know, you have a, a child, even in the weirdest of circumstances, the most unexpected of circumstances, God can still bring so much good out of it. I mean, if you love the person, you love the soul that they conceive, like it's all through love, but only a culture that has turned completely self-centered on its and on itself would actually make you to be the bad guy when you're trying to defend innocent life. Right. Um, so what do you guys have any, I don't want to use the word arguments because I don't want this to come across like we're bashing people who are maybe thinking about it. Right. Like, you know, maybe someone listening is is think is questioning that. Like right. should they maybe they're pregnant and they're thinking about getting an abortion. Right. So if that's the case, what would you say to kind of sway someone in the other direction? And like in a, in a gentle, non-judgmental, like, because the wrong thing to do would be to go up to them and be like, you're in sin for even thinking about it. Like, you know, like that's not. Not prudent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I actually have a, a story about that that I want to share. Um, we were actually, I was going to wait till another podcast. Maybe I'll mention it again in a future podcast of what not to do, how not to evangelize. Uh, but uh, one time I was at an abortion clinic for 40 Days for Life in October with my dad. It was a few years back. Uh, we were praying the rosary. And that's just peacefully, you know, like we don't, as you said, Aunt, you never want to harass people that are walking in there. It doesn't do any good. No. You may be correct, but yeah. just by yelling at them or right. by saying you're going to hell, like it's like stirring a pot. You're just stirring. Up, you're not. They're not going to listen to you. They're just going to feel even weirder about Christians. They're still going to go through with it. Yeah. So you're not going to do any good. So we're just peacefully sitting there praying, and a young man, a few years older than me, probably in his late twenties, mid to late twenties, comes up to us, and he starts cursing at us. He looks at us and he says. You know, beep, bleep, 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 like you guys are hypocrites, you guys are bleeping this and bleeping that, and you go in there and you tell these people that they you know what they can and can't do with their bodies, and then you go home and you do all these sins, you're such hypocrites. And he starts cursing at us, screaming at us. He starts spewing Bible uh, quotes out out of context. One thing that 
people that disagree with the church, what they love to do is take Old Testament quotes, Old Testament passages that are meant specifically for Jews 3,000 years ago that Christians don't have to hold to because they're not moral. They are um, ceremonial, but that's a whole other um, thing different we have to topic. get into. A different topic for yeah. a different day. Um, but they take what they love doing is take Old Testament quotes out of context and just hurl them at you as if like, you know what I mean? Like without any kind of, you know, knowledge of why that's in there or not, why that quote is in the Bible. He starts doing that, cursing at us. And this gentleman next to me, older guy who was um, very nice guy, very shy guy. So this is what shocked me so much that was praying with us. He gets in front of me, puts his hand out to the guy like in a you know stop kind of you know motion and says get behind me satan get behind me satan <laughs> and i looked at this guy and i was like dude like <laughs> i'm sure he had good intentions but no this is that's not going to win this guy over right so i said to the guy i said uh, why don't you come with me and i i we walked over a few steps on our own i said okay what's your what what are your issues and i just looked at him in the eye and i tried even though he was hurling expletives and screaming at us i tried to listen and he starts screaming about all these Old Testament passages and how the church hates women, all, all the stuff that's not true that you hear. But I just listened, and I mm-hmm. nodded, and I made him feel understood. Yeah. And I very calmly, very calmly started to answer his questions. Do you think he was expecting you to kind of lash back? He was, because, mm-hmm. you know, our, our, our the media would make you think that Christians are these mean, nasty, mm-hmm. judgmental people, and it's not. The media is doing that because people in the media have an agenda to push. People in the media don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to think about the right and wrong thing to do, so they just try to do everything they can to make Christians or the Catholic Church out to be the meanest people ever, which is right. not true at all. So he ex- it's, it worked with this guy because he expected me to scream at him and get in his face. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just you know I kept eye contact. I smiled. I nodded. I showed that I understood what he was saying, tried to answer some of his questions, and then something else happened to me. A tear came to his eye, and he said, "Why did my grandpa die?" I said, "What?" It was like totally out of out of you know context with what we were talking about. He said, "Why did my grandpa die?" He he was such a good Christian man. He he did everything right, and he and he died suddenly. Why would God let that happen to him? And you see, it wasn't that he hated the church. It wasn't even that he was really pro-choice and hated pro-life arguments. Is that something happened to him? Yeah, deep down that uh, he didn't understand. He probably didn't have anyone to talk to after his grandpa died, anyone to explain to him, hey, heaven's real, and Jesus was only 33 when he died, and give him all the talking points that might help him understand and uh, that, that his grandpa was so in a better place and you know that he, everything's taken care of, it's okay. He was just heartbroken that he, he lost his grandpa. And that put a doubt in his heart. That doubt in his heart traveled up to his mind. He decided to give up on God, most likely. And he's a smart guy, so at that point, once his heart wasn't in it, his mind started to think of every reason as to why the church was evil or why God didn't exist. But I even listened to that, and I said, hey, it's okay, like your grandpa. I started to say a few things about, you know, I don't even know what I exactly said, but I said a few things about his grandpa, pal. He's probably in heaven, and it's going to be okay. And the guy was just so, so shocked that I was talking to him this way that by the end of the conversation, he wasn't screaming at us. He had a phone call, and he goes, I'm so sorry, guys. I got to take this phone call. Um... I'm really sorry. Uh, it was nice talking to you. Have a great day. Think about what I said, but have a great day, and I'll and I'll and I'll and I'll see you guys later, guys. I don't even know what I said. All I do is look at him, mm-hmm. acknowledge him, smile at him, show him some love. Right. And it was not, wasn't even about pro life or pro choice. It was about a deep wound this guy yeah. had that needed that needed healing. And I would I would propose to you that many many times somebody is adamantly pro choice, mm-hmm. and they're so ready to defend themselves. What's my body? Don't tell me what to do. I feel. 
I feel odd getting upset with them. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're wrong, and we have to defend the, the pro-life mission with everything in us and the pro-life cause, of course. But I feel bad getting mad at them because there's almost always some some kind of wound something happened to them maybe maybe some guy abused them when they Mm -hmm. were younger and now they've just gone on this mission to say no one's ever going to abuse me ever again they're very defensive they put walls up and so now they're going to see everything through a defensive lens so if someone they don't know says hey don't have that baby or i mean i mean (laughs) something they don't know says hey you should have that baby they're going to take it as an attack on their body on their free choice when it's that's obviously not what it is so, right, right. so what's needed is prayer and to look deeper into each individual person case by case as to why they are thinking the way they do on the pro-choice uh, subject. And also, also I have a feeling that that guy may have just felt lonely too, like lonely in his thoughts, like because, you know, the, to have the thoughts that he was thinking and, and to have him say those thoughts and then to have you hear him. Right. Like probably really helped him a lot. He probably just wanted to be heard. Yeah. And, and that's, it goes mm-hmm. back to healing. Right. When you, when you just, when someone listens to you and shows mm-hmm. you love and genuine compassion and you feel like you have a listening ear, there's a little healing that takes place even there. Yeah. And then, and then once people know that, like, I say this with my students so much, once somebody knows you love them and you're mm-hmm. not out to get them and you genuinely do care and you're not being a snob, you don't think you're better, mm-hmm. they'll listen to you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the church's teachings make more sense coming out of your mouth than they did 10 minutes before when they weren't when they weren't sure that you loved them and cared about them. Right. And I like how you said a second ago that you have a hard time getting mad at the people who are very adamantly pro-choice. Right. Um, that reminds me of, of the way Christ treated the people when he went from town to town. Like a lot of the people were like, oh, this dude's awesome. Right. And, and loved him and like would like join the followers and like walk around with him. And a lot of people were like, dude, get out of here. And I think it's in, the, in one of the stories in the Gospels where Jesus walks up to one of the towns, basically like the gates of the town. Right. And they told him to get out of here. Like they basically <laughs> said scram. And then the apostles said like, Lord, they looked, the apostles looked at Jesus and said, Lord, can we call down fire from heaven and burn them? <laughs> right. like, like the apostles wanted to light the city on fire. Right. Because they didn't accept Jesus. But Jesus looked at them, and I picture the way that he looked at them probably like, like, dude, are you serious? Like, like, no. Yeah. So, like, it said he just looked back at them and then moved on. Right. So, like, he, he didn't get mad. He wasn't going to, like, raise his voice and be like, you guys should, look, you know, like, exactly. accept me and, and take me in. Like, no. He just, like, peacefully went on to the next town. And that's because he knows that he has the truth. Right. When someone knows that they have the truth within them, of course they're going to tell it to people. Mm-hmm. Of course they're going to want other people to accept it. But they're not going to get, like ridiculously heated and right because you're at peace right exactly you're at peace with yourself you're at peace with god you don't need to freak out and if you don't have the truth you're trying to convince the other person as well as yourself right and you're and that's why all that heated emotion comes in right think of like a little kid who's like making up some story so they don't get in trouble (laughs) right and like they add like the waterworks to make it more believable they lash out exactly yeah yeah but it's like they don't have the truth when you have the truth that comes with peace right now and in this peace that we're talking about here for our hearers um i in no way are we trying to downplay how serious abortion is oh, yeah, we are yeah. talking about the murder of, of unborn children right. it we're is, not saying it is, just like forget about of it. course this is right. the worst <laughs> catastrophe of our time it's the it's the one of the worst most honestly hate to say this but satanic things that can happen the death of a child in the in, the, in their own womb but as Anthony said, there's always like no one gets up in the morning. Very few people, and if they do, it's they're they're the devil's at work, and there's there's something that needs to be healed anyway. Very few people get up in the morning and just say, "Yay, I want to do horrible things." Mm-hmm. There's always a wound. So, in the people in your own life that you could think of that are, are pro-choice, and you're like, "How the heck could they be okay with that? How the heck could they make this about about uh, a rights thing when it's an innocent child that we're trying to defend?" Just make sure you pray and fast for them, and um. Remember, there's always something underneath, something mm-hmm. that happens, something they're not seeing, a wound there, 
you know, um, you know, maybe maybe they just they've just bought into the fact that the media tries to make conflict out of everything. They're just seeing conflict and everything. Oh, you're 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 uh, encroaching on my rights for my body. That's that, that's like they're seeing conflict and everything. Mm-hmm. When really there might not be a conflict. It's like no, it's just like I'm trying to like save a life here. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Um. So there's always something deeper. Uh. So when you have the temptation to like try to ask God to call down fire from heaven. <laughs> Think like Jesus does and remember, okay, you know, everyone has their flaws. Everybody has things that they don't see correctly spiritually. Maybe this person or people you're thinking of have a deep wound that needs healing, and you need to genuinely, with love, pray for them and, re- and be reminded of your own small flaws as well. And a couple of little pieces of advice. So let's say you have prayed for uh, this person. Let's say you fasted for this person. And now it's time to have, like, maybe a gentle conversation. So I have two points that I really like. Um, when it comes to this debate that I kind of always bring up. The first one is a quote that I heard from uh, Ronald Reagan. And he said that everyone that is for abortion has not been aborted. So it's just like a very simple thing to yeah, say, it's but deep. it's also yeah, completely true. Yeah. It's like, imagine if I, everyone in the world received like a glass of cold water and like, you know, we're all drinking our ice cold water. And it's like, how can we say like, no, they can't have water. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, we have right. water. Like, yeah, they, like you can't, yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Any sense. Uh, the next one, uh, this one's a little bit more dark, a little bit more morbid, but it's totally true. Um, if a pregnant woman is murdered, mm-hmm. it, you, the person that did the murder, it's a double homicide. Right. So you go to jail for having killed two people. Right. As a pregnant woman. So clearly the government will acknowledge in that regard that it is a life. Right. Yeah. The government will totally 100% acknowledge it, and that person will get twice the penalty because they committed twice as many murders. So if in that regard it's a life, the fact that in abortion it's not a life, that boggles my mind because that tells me that it boils down to choice, and that's literally the term pro-choice. <clears throat> right. But You're deciding choice, if it's a life or not. But life doesn't come down to choice. Life, it, it is what it is. It's either life yeah, or it's yeah. not. Objective. Right, exactly. Yeah. That fetus is either yeah. a precious life that deserves all the protections right. that that God that, that society should give it, mm-hmm. or it's not. But yeah. you don't get to yeah. choose. You like can't it can't be a life that's not choose like life. in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you know, whether if it's a life <laughs> so or like, not. So like, what if? <laughs> so what happens is your God has become your convenience. Yeah, you're right. saying if you're convenient, you're a life, and if it's not convenient, I don't think you're a life. But that obviously goes against all logic and all science. Like again, I'm going to give a morbid scenario. Like, what if a pregnant woman was on the way to get an abortion and was murdered then? That's like, what, interesting. What, that's what, still, what, what would still would be, it still be a double homicide? It would, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's still a life. Right. Now, I also want to make a point that some people say, well, what if I'm in a hard situation? What if a girl's 16 or mm-hmm. something or thir- 14? And, you know, well, I want to remind everybody about the Garden of Eden. God never intended us to sin. He never intended us to go through suffering and death and sickness and illness and all those things that we go through now because we sin. However, he knew we were going to sin when he created Adam and Eve. He knew they were going to reject him, so he put his plan of salvation into action. And what did he do? This horrible situation that human beings caused, he jumped right into it. Through Jesus, he jumped into our death, into our suffering, into our illness, took on all of it, and brought good out of it. God took the worst thing that could possibly happen, human beings rejecting him and cutting themselves off from him, and brought our salvation through it by going through it with us. What does that say? That says that God is an expert at taking crappy situations, for lack of a better term. Uh, He's an expert at taking horrible situations that seem hopeless and bringing good out of it, including an unwanted pregnancy. Yes, you may have made a mistake. You may be in a weird situation and you're pregnant. You didn't want it. Maybe you didn't even choose it Mm -hmm. because you were abused in some way and now you're pregnant. 
Um, God is an expert. It's just what he does. Right. Taking terrible situations and bringing such good out of it. I can't think of a better example of that than a woman have uh, be conceiving a child she did not intend, doesn't know how they're going to take care of it, right? And God bringing the beautiful gift of life out of such a, a tough mistake that she made, or maybe she was raped or something. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a better example of God bringing something so beautiful and so precious out of something so horrible. Right. And with prayer, with trust in him, with the right community of support, and if you don't have that community, you pray for it, God will give it to you. Um, you you'll be you'll be happy that you had that baby and there's always adoption there's always other options as mm-hmm. well um, but god is an expert at bringing good out of bad situations um, we have to have hope always and that's why we should always choose life the right. community you mentioned is, is very um important because i think i think a lot of women in that situation who are deciding if, if they're going to go through with an abortion feel very very lonely and they don't have a voice of understanding like imagine dan like if right a woman approached you and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And you gave them that, that advice mm-hmm. that I understand your situation right now, but God's going to bring something beautiful out of it. And imagine if other women had that voice of understanding and compassion right. and reason, right? How less abortions uh, there would be. Um, so that community aspect is so important. And it's just so sad that people do feel lonely because all the abortion clinics are going to tell you that is that it's going to be okay, it's going to be fine, don't worry well, about it, you'll feel much too. better yeah. after you did this. And then no one's there to pick up the pieces and the the, the post-depression and, and regret that comes from it is so heavy. Like, yeah. I feel horrible for these women. Yeah. So it would just be um, so nice if more women had that in their lives. It's a great point. Um, I think the way to get that community is to join your church. There are yeah. so many good people. And I, and you know what? Like, we're Catholic. We're proudly Catholic, you know. But even if you're Protestant, like, you, you whatever. You, jo- you, join, you join a church with a good community of support that people can help you. And that's also why we need to stay tightly knit as families. You know, of course, God never intends on us making big mistakes. Let's say, you know, you get pregnant out of wedlock. The guy leaves. You know, these situations happen. Mm-hmm. It's sad. You know, it's a sin. It's not something God intended. But it happens, and God's so merciful and so loving and so patient you know, you get you get it pregnant out of wedlock. You don't know how you're going to take care of it. Well, you have your, your family to fall back on. You have your parents, or maybe you have some aunts and uncles, some cousins. Mm-hmm. This is, again, why we need good families that stay together. Because in bad situations, you know, like this, that's when you have your fallback and your support. And that little baby will grow up with so much love, so many people surrounding them with, with love. And that's all you need um, to, to make up for that father figure. Maybe someone else, you pray to God, you stay on the right path. Maybe God sends the other father figure into, into your life into this baby's life to, 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 to guide it. Things like that. God always provides, but having a good church community and a tight family is such a beautiful fallback in these situations. So it's mm-hmm. a great point you made rock. Yeah. And even like there's someone that, that we know that, and you know, obviously I'm not going to give this person's name. Um, but her mom, uh, was pregnant with her when, uh, very young. I think the mom was 15, 15 when, uh, when she was pregnant. And I believe if I, if my memory serves me correctly, the mom went to the abortion clinic yep. and was going to do it. And I don't think faith was a part of her life. She was but, on the table, yeah, on the operating okay. table. And yep. I think something just told her just not to do it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, very peacefully, she changed her mind at that moment, mm-hmm. and she walked out. And so at 15, uh, she gave birth to her daughter. Um, so then her daughter, you know, was born healthy, and the mom was healthy. And the daughter became one of our really good friends. Yeah. And now the daughter is married. 
and, the, and she has a great relationship with her mom. Yeah, her mom great. hangs out with her all mm-hmm. the time. She has a great relationship not only with her mom, but mm-hmm. also her grandmom right. and her great grandmom. Exactly. That's and how she young. has a kid. Right. So this girl two. we're talking about she has, has two, 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 two children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And these two children know their great great grandmother. Right. That's, that's how awesome. amazing this yeah. is. Yeah. 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 And 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 her husband's a friend of ours too, and he's a great dude. Oh like, yeah. He's, yeah. And like, just think of how different like even his life would be. And obviously, God would you know adjust and if if uh you know what i'm trying to say yep yeah, yeah. oh yeah god, god god takes care of things right mm-hmm. he does now it's hard it's really hard to trust like that when you mm-hmm. can't see it right it's really hard mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of prayer to be able to trust god when you can't see how you're going to be able to make ends meet but guess what you stay close to him you stay open to his promptings you pray you stay close to your family and he always always makes it work somehow mm-hmm. and at the very least if you still don't feel you can take care of that baby uh and it just was that unexpected there are there are thousands of couples waiting that would love to take care of that baby. That's why adoption is always a great option as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the church has so many um, uh, adoption centers that are run by sisters and run by you know employees of the church that would love to help you out with that as well. Right. And that's all I got, guys. Unless you have anything right. else you want to add. Uh, I would like to uh, end with the Saint Gianna uh, story. Sure. Saint Gianna Bretamalo was um, an Italian doctor, a physician. Uh, she was a young woman in the 19, late 1950s and in, um, into the 60s. She had a few kids, I think three children, I think. Um, her fourth child, uh, as soon as she got pregnant, um, the doctors said, um, you, may, you may have some problems with your uterus. You should abort the pregnancy so we can operate on your uterus or else, else it could turn serious. She said, absolutely not. I'm not going to abort the pregnancy. We'll go through with it. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll trust God. She goes through with the pregnancy a few days before she was due to be born, her, her daughter, um, the doctor said again, your problem has gotten so badly that the birth could, could, could end up killing you. So um, we advise you either abort the baby now or the birth could kill you. And her quote, was her response was exactly this. She said, if you have to choose between me and the baby, choose the baby, save the baby, I insist on it. She gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Over the next couple days, in agonizing pain, she stared stared at the crucifix and just kept saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, this is for you. Jesus, I love you. She died a few days later, thus giving her life so that this child can be born. And if you look up documentaries, look up uh, on YouTube, you see it all over. Her daughter, who is now in her 50s or 60s, looks exactly like her. And this family celebrates her life. This is not a sad, horrible, oh, if she only she got an abortion, this would have been better story. She did what Jesus did, right. what we're all called to do. She did it radically. Mm-hmm. She gave her life for her daughter, for her family. And if you ever see these documentaries about her family, her husband and her children, smiling, happy people who look back on her life as a beautiful celebration. They all attended her canonization, or at least her, at least her beatification mm-hmm. to make her a blessed one step away from sainthood. That whole ceremony in Rome, her family, her all of her kids – and the daughter she saved wow. are all there smiling at her beatification. They're happy people. They're they're at peace. You know why? Because they know that they their 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 mother and their wife for the for the her husband gave her life up as Jesus did for them. And right. they will see her again in heaven. They're sure of it. It is not a sad sob story of if only she had gotten an abortion. This is right. a celebration. It's a beautiful thing. This is why we hold up this doctor, Saint Gianna Mala, as such a beautiful saint in mm-hmm. our church. Now this is really hard to do. That's agape love. It's that's agape really love. Yet. Exactly. That is self emptying love. But you know what with prayer, that's what we're here to do. 
I always say to my kids, what else am I going to do? Sit on the couch and smoke weed all day? No. <laughs> no. I'm going to give my life up for my family. I'm going to give my life up for my students. I'm going to give my life up for my church. And that's what's going to make me happy. That's what's going to make others happy. That's what's going to get me to heaven and bring other people with me. And at the end of the day, it's all that matters. All Thank right. you for sharing that. Yeah. I just want to conclude with one uh, phrase or quote that comes to mind. Uh, every time I think of the topic of abortion, it comes to mind. And it is by, by Pope Benedict XVI. And it's something so simple, yet so deep. And he said, um, each of us is willed by God. Each of us is loved by God. Each of us is necessary. Well, wow. That was really good. Necessary. I love that yeah. word. So the hearer, remember, as Rock just said, who, who said that quote again? Pope Benedict. Benedict. You're always great at quoting <laughs> Benedict. You are necessary. The Lord, I always say this, a billion years ago before the universe was made, knew you were, you, whoever's listening, knew you were going to exist, has a real purpose, has a mission for you, whether that's for you to save souls as a sister or a priest or or married, or maybe you are married. There's still people in your job and your family that you can inspire. You absolutely are necessary for this world. God could not help himself when he made you. That's what love does. God can't become any happier. He's already perfect. Making the world he didn't have to do it at all. He couldn't become any more perfect, more fulfilled, or more happy. It's impossible. But because he is love, he couldn't help himself. And he couldn't help himself when he made you. So make sure you always remember that. And to answer your question, uh, actually Rock's question about life, I did find the meaning of life. And the meaning of life is uh, to know God, to love God, and to serve God, and to be happy with him in this life and the next. Every single soul, no matter how big or small, deserves the opportunity to do that. So let's defend that with all of our hearts. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Want to close with a prayer? Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, dear Lord, I just want to pray for anyone listening to this podcast uh, that you, you bless them today and you let them know that they are seen and loved. Also, Lord, I want to pray for anyone who is considering maybe getting an abortion, uh, that the Holy Spirit just comes and lets them know that they will be taken care of, that everything will be okay, that God will provide. And I also just want to pray for an end to abortion in general, as again, this is October, um, the life where the month where we respect life. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless.